Welcome to Pleasure Doing Business, the podcast for business owners and entrepreneurs who want to grow their business and have a ton of fun along the way. The podcast is brought to you by the world-famous accounting firm, Teed Saunders. Welcome to another episode of the Pleasure Doing Business podcast. As always, it's Andy Clark with you. I'm joined by my often co-host, Andrew Logan. How are you, Andrew? I am brilliant this morning, Andy. Thanks you for asking. You look brilliant. And you do say this morning. I th- believe this is the first show we've taped in the morning. Uh, and our guest came in and I asked our special guest, I said, Greg, we normally uh, do this in the afternoon. We normally have a beer. And what, what do you think about that? Uh, if it's, you know, in the morning time. And what did you say, Greg? Well, I said, clearly, Andy, we got to get to know each other a little bit more because I will have a beer at any hour of the morning. Uh, and that is a, a, a beautiful thing about uh, being an entrepreneur. You can have these meetings. I'm not saying I do it regularly, but it's Christmas time. It's, you know, it's, uh, guys, it's 730 in the morning right now. And it's, uh, it's a treat to be here with you. <laughs> Well, maybe not quite 7 but uh, it is definitely before noon. Uh, anybody out there who listens to podcasts produced in this wonderful province of New Brunswick would recognize that voice because it is the voice of the one and only Mr. Greg Hemmings, the co-host of the Boiling Point podcast, one of my favorite podcasts and Probably the greatest podcast to come out of New Brunswick ever. I'm going to say that right oh now. Oh, my gosh, yeah. guys. Wow. So Thank good. you. So anyway, Thank welcome you. to the show, Greg. Thanks Thank you. For being Thank here. It's great to be here. It's, it's fun to be on this side of the podcast, Mike. Well, that's what your co-host on The Boiling Point, Dave Vale, uh, said when he was on. He, we had him on the show recently, and he said the exact same thing. And uh, when we had Dave on, Dave said, you got to get Greg on because I want to have this contest. I want to see which of the two of us, between me being Dave and you, Greg, We'll get the most downloads on the Pleasure Doing Business podcast. I am so shocked that he actually wanted to make that a competition because I will happily accept, and there's a very good chance I will destroy his numbers uh, for you. So (laughs) you guys beware. Uh, I love it. I love it. Well, well, not because the content's going to be great, just because I'm going to I'm going to pay Facebook a whole bunch of money <laughs> to promote this podcast. That's right. <laughs> well, that's brilliant. Um, so we will report back on on how that contest goes. But Greg, if you don't know, in addition to being the co-host of the Boiling Point, uh, is the founder and CEO of the Hemmings House, which is a a storytelling company, yeah. uh, one way to describe it, yeah. but uh, maybe, Greg, you can you can jump into describing what, what that company is. Yeah, are. well, at, at, the, at the core, we are a video production company. We like to use fancy words like film production company and, uh, you know, documentary, TV producers. We're, we're all of that. But at the end of the day, we use video to share stories and share stories that connect with stakeholders. So that could be a story... Uh, that we produce for CBC, for example, that we want to connect with the hearts and imaginations of the CBC audience, or it could be um, connecting the you know a customer, like uh, let, let's say uh, one of our local New Brunswick companies, with with their customers through TV ads or through web videos, what, whatever it is that we can use um, as a medium to connect people using storytelling. And we really focus on on video. Uh, that's our specialty. But we do podcasts, we do photography, we do a whole bunch of events, we do a whole bunch of other things as well. Mm-hmm. But really, for the last 20 years, we've been rocking it in the video space. And, and storytelling is the key. And thank you for saying storytelling company, because that's where we are first, mm-hmm. before a video company. Yeah. That's your medium. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. 
And so I want to kind of go there today because I think uh, the audience members will really um, uh, can learn something, I think, of, from you uh, here today in our conversation, just in terms of the impact of storytelling. Um, you know, that seems to be what resonates these days, right? It, it, companies, uh, I think, are less and less are going out and, you know, getting ads in newspapers. They're, they're marketing in sort of non-traditional ways, and it's really more about storytelling, telling what this, you know, not less of you know the Simon Sinek what not what you're doing but why you're doing it that yeah. kind of stuff that yeah. that storytelling is really resonating so uh, assume you're seeing that and that's part of 100%. why your company exists and so what are some of the things that uh, uh, that that you're seeing in the marketplace that are resonating uh, if a company is trying to reach its clients yeah <clears throat> something I'm seeing uh, on a uh, more of a well, I'll say a global level uh, but the U S there's a lot of companies in the U S are really doing a good job at this is um, brand activism films. <clears throat> Excuse me. And what, what that means is um, companies like Patagonia, let's use Patagonia as an example, um, who are on this planet for more than just the reason of making money. So they're a triple bottom line company. So they care about profit, but they also care, care about planet and people. Um, Patagonia specifically really, really cares about the environment. Like that is their core. Yvonne Chouinard, the owner, that's, that's his passion. And the, that, that permeates through the whole culture. They have invested millions and millions of dollars in producing high quality films, films that you can see in the theater, films that you can see on, uh, on Netflix, films that you can see on YouTube, just beautifully shot films that there's a good chance you'll never see a Patagonia logo anywhere. Like they're not they're not doing this for for them. You will see presented by Patagonia, but I'll use Damnation as an example. Uh, Yvonne Chouinard and the whole you know community at, uh, that works for Patagonia, they really care about the conservation of uh, uh, of wild salmon. That's that's a big thing for them, uh, and they don't believe that we should have dams damming up our uh, our wild rivers, you know, blocking the flow of wild salmon so they can spawn and whatnot. And the U.S. has so many dams. We've got a lot of dams in Canada, but in the U.S. has so many dams that are decommissioned, but they're still standing. Mm. They're not creating any power. And um, so Patagonia made a film called Damnation. And the mm. purpose of that was to free uh, the waterways for these wild salmon, wild Pacific salmon, so they could breed again. And they put so much pressure on the government through this story that they actually made change. And dams started to get blown up, on, you know, properly blown up. <laughs> they didn't blow them up. But the film is amazing, uh, and it's an activism film. So what does that say about Patagonia, right? Um, you, you may, Maybe you'll see a Patagonia jacket on, but you probably won't, right? Like they're not doing this as branded content. They're doing this straight up as we have the resources to tell a story that means something to our customers, mm. right? It also means something to, the, to them, to their right. own. But like, how cool is that? I want to buy a Patagonia jacket. I love North Face as well. But you know what? Patagonia is telling me a better story, a story that I believe in. And North Face does a lot of really good work too. I'm using those two as examples because they're, the, they're yeah. the McDonald's Burger King, you yeah. know? And um, so storytelling, that that's a very grand example of what I just say because they're investing millions of dollars in storytelling. Red Bull is another great example. Um, they're not doing activism films, but they're putting just as much money, if not way more actually, into making really radical films about outdoor adventure, snowboard films, surf films, whatever. Um, and they have really been the, the pioneers of storytelling in the film space for brands. So Red Bull is an unhealthy uh, sugar drink. 
right? Um, and you watch their films, and it's completely branded. The helicopters have Red Bull on it. They're, all the guys are wearing the Red Bull hats. And there's nothing wrong with that because um, it's not my way of doing it. But um, what you see is a youth culture that loves extreme sports, um, seeing all their all, all their uh, idols wearing Red Bull hats and helicopters with Red Bull logos on them. And when they go to the store, who, what are they going to buy? Are they going to buy Monster or Red Bull? Yeah. And uh, so I, I, I'm always keeping an eye on those things, on what are the big boys doing? Yeah. And on, on the micro level, yeah. uh, which is really important to me because mm-hmm. our customers are, right. you know, we do work with a lot of the large companies too, but the micro mm-hmm. level is just as important. So some of the stuff that we might want to talk about in this podcast yeah. is the million dollar pledge, for example, something that I'm uh, I'm involved, that we're all involved with, um, you know, um, we haven't done a lot of storytelling around that, but this is a really cool thing that we're involved with in this community of, you know, donating $10,000 a year uh, to go to into this little fund that uh, a bunch of us have that we all uh, get to vote on where the money goes. So I could keep that quiet. And as a kind of person who is scared of bragging or being seen as that, I, I'm not out there waving big flags. Look at all the good we're doing, right? But there's ways of sharing the story without saying, hey, look at us, right? So what we're doing right now down at the office, I've got one of my interns editing it. Uh, I took a camera down to the school in uh, Milltown Elementary where we gave over $100,000 to last year to help with their literacy program. And uh, I just filmed the school, filmed the kids like smiling and doing work in the middle of the summer. And I've got one of my interns editing it right now. We're not going to mention the word Hemings House in it at all. People are going to know because it'll be part of a, a Facebook post or LinkedIn post. Mm-hmm. We're so happy to be part of the Million Dollar Pledge. Check out the look on these kids' faces. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really important. People are going to see that. They're mm-hmm. going to be like, okay, well, Hemings House clearly is giving back to the community. Look at this little video they just put on LinkedIn. Uh, we could go to the competition. Uh, I hope they're doing good things with our with our money as well, you know. Um, anyway, it's it's exciting yeah. for me and it's, it's, it's hard to be – very specific on how I explain it. But for me, storytelling is everything because we're not spending money on marketing. We're, we're spending money on connecting people with Mm. that magical force of storytelling, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So just uh, back, uh, backtracking on the million dollar pledge we've talked about it on past shows but it's a united way of uh, greater st john i think there's 10 over 10 businesses i think, I think we've think got 12 now maybe 13 12 yeah. or 13 have committed ten thousand dollars for 10 years Ten years. so hence uh, 10 yeah. times 10 times 10 is a million i think yeah pretty taken. much let me check that on the calculator yeah and, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Okay. yeah that's it that's exactly and it. uh yeah and one of the the programs that you've uh, funded is the is it milltown elementary school? milltown yeah. elementary school yeah and uh it's really cool because uh milltown is a it's a community of need, you know. It's kind of a forgotten town that used to have much more of a bustling uh, economy. It used to be the the border crossing, oh, you know, and there was a mill, <laughs> mill town. Uh, but in the last number of decades, it, it fell fell through the cracks, yeah. and there's a lot of people of need there. And one of the biggest issues that these communities have is uh, the kids um, lose so much of their ability to read during those summer breaks. Mm-hmm. Those month and a half, two months, whatever it is. Um, and it's those kids who critically need to understand how to read. If if there's any hope for getting them to, you know, be productive in their own, uh, you know, wealth generation in the future and all that sort of thing, like the gift of education is critical. And if there's this one little tiny thing called summer that's ruining that mm. opportunity for kids, 
Milltown has found a way to bring real teachers in, which costs money, to help these kids in the morning continue with their literacy skills, a little bit of math, you know, but in a really fun environment. It's not like regular school. It's it's fun learning. And in the afternoon, the Boys and Girls Clubs uh, come and pick them up and they do the summer camps thing. But they don't stop going to school all summer. It's amazing. I wish... Which our kids had yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. The, the outcomes have been incredible. Incredible. The, the improvements, yeah. Yeah. And here I am right now talking about the story right now on right. your microphone, right? Because I'm passionate about the story. Right. And your listeners are like, oh, that's kind of neat. Wow. They, you know, all these guys here on this microphone are, you know, passionate about our, you know, kids that aren't even in our own direct community thriving. Like it's, uh, that's storytelling yeah. right there. Uh, yeah. I remember, Andrew, when you first raised it, that is this something that teach owners Saunders daughter should do it's like yeah you know it's like it makes a lot of course. sense and I think every day you're probably uh, uh, happy that you you made that choice because it just yeah, I mean, it gets better know, and better right on and I mean we you know um, like Greg's business you get huge demand on your time and your resources to help society we get that and that's good but when you can target stuff and have a say in how that money is invested in the in the social fabric of our community. That's powerful stuff, and that makes mm-hmm. it makes their outcomes like really good. And and so you know we're on board, and and, and thirteen or fourteen other businesses in, in Southern Brunswick are on board. So it's cool, and it's not it's it's not so much money that it breaks us, but it's a lot of money. I mean, like um, we it's making we're, a difference. We're it's small, a difference. exactly, exactly, and we're small enough of a company that you know that's about. I don't know how much it is, $880 a month, whatever it is. Like, it's not nothing. 883.33. Oh, okay. You got your calculator out. That's good. But what it does for my team as well is my team, like, they feel better about putting those extra hours in and going above and beyond because we need to make money. Our company has to make a ton of money, have to. Uh, if we're going to you know, continue to give the way we want to give. So it's got to be a full team commitment to saying we want to do this for the environment and this for our community. we got to keep on cranking her yeah. somehow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So getting back to sort of your, the clients that you work with on, uh, you know, in the local market, uh, is there still a place for, for, you know, telling stories? Here's my product, buy it. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. We do a ton of that. Um, because for us, it's still, still storytelling. A 30 second ad that you see on TV or a cinema pre-roll um, we got to really put our storytelling hats on. How do we compress a meaningful, emotional story in 30 seconds? How do we do that? Even if we're just selling a, uh, you know, whatever, from uh, it, it, you know, whatever little product it is, you know, we don't do a ton of that, but it's, um, yeah, we still have to connect with the emotions of the people on the other side of that screen, right? Um, and, uh yeah, so that's that's uh, it's just a mindset of how we go into it, right? Because we could go into it and say, yeah, we got to make a video uh, about a product and it's on sale. Okay, well, anybody can do that. How do we take that same business challenge, which is we need someone, we need the world to know that this thing's available and, and it's on sale for for Christmas. Mm-hmm. How do we do that in a, in a special way that actually connects with people's imaginations? And that's. I think that's where, you know, you're going to pay a little extra for companies like us when we mm-hmm. put our creative heads into figuring out the best ways to connect. But, man, when you nail it, it's a home run, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's worth the investment. 
So tell us about this, uh, before we hit uh, record, you're telling us about this cool uh, trip you've got planned for uh, to, to Greece for entrepreneurs yeah. to, to come and, and figure out how to tell their own stories using, using video. So what, what's that all about? Well, over the years, I've had a number of requests uh, for me to mentor others. Um, an interesting thing about that is a lot of the people I've been mentoring are smaller video companies or filmmakers that want to start to learn how to get in the commercial game. So... I guess in, in another universe, you could potentially call those uh, uh, competitors, right? Uh, and I've spent a lot of time with earlier startup film people and helping them start their business because I'm an entrepreneur first. And then, you know, like I've been doing this all like making my own money since I was a kid. You know, I've never really had a real job. I've been an entrepreneur. <laughs> and um, so I've, I've learned all the ups and downs of, of that path. Um, so a few years ago... I created an online course called Filmpreneur, and it was specifically for filmmakers uh, who wanted to, you know, still make their art films and stuff, but like maybe they don't have to work at a, at a restaurant to pay their rent. Maybe they can continue working on their craft and get paid to do that to pay their rent so then they can invest in their films because uh, it's really difficult to get films funded. So use your profits from commercial to, you know, so I was, I was helping them with that. We did this one, uh, this one cohort. It was a digital course, and then we all met in Mexico, and it was an amazing success. Uh, it was it was super cool, and uh, we had thirty people in this eco lodge that we had down in the Pacific Coast. It was it was amazing. Anyway, um, one thing I realized is it's really difficult. Well, I didn't do a good enough job yet in in promoting it appropriately because filmmakers at that stage don't have a lot of money. Yeah. So. The price tag on what I was doing with this amazing trip and everything, it was tough on them, you know? So I started thinking, I was like, how do I do the same thing, but with people who it's not going to hurt their, their, their bank account? And I, I realized that I will figure out the filmpreneur thing later when I get a little more time. But there's people, professionals, retired people, um, you know, entrepreneurs who, who always love to travel but they don't want to come back with nothing. They like to travel for vacation, but wouldn't it be cool if you could come back with a new skill or a uh, you know be able to write part of your trip off because it's a legit education, absolutely. right? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> is, is that okay? Yeah. Can that be done? That's what we do. Okay. It's a hundred percent. Yeah, and and this is really cool because we. So my brother Mark Mark Hemmings is a great photographer and a really good teacher. He's been taking people on international photo tour trips for well over a decade. And uh, after my Mexico trip, uh, I was like, Mark, let's, let's do something together. So the last three years has been a trip to, uh, to Greece. And last year we did this incredible trip to Greece. Um, and we, a couple of our, of our travelers were filmmakers, but most of them were entrepreneurs or retired people or, you know, our youngest was 18 years old. Our eldest was 82. No so uh, people from all different backgrounds wow. all coming together. And there was no pressure for anybody to engage in our teaching but they all did. So if you wanted to learn how to use your iPhone to take really great photos, you hang out with Mark or your DSLR. If you want to learn how to create a story, you hang out with me. And then on the next day, you might want to switch around. So we went to Greece and went to a couple of the islands. We're in Athens. And we shot two films over a period of three days. And then we edited them over the next two days, which is epic. Like, I can't believe I did, we did that. So they would sit around me, you know, drinking cocktails. We're on the beach and just editing like insane. And all of them got to see the process of making, wow. telling a story, making a film. And I had a two, uh, two from the U.S. that came. Uh, we had a, a few uh, more Americans than that, but uh, two of them specifically have a, 
uh, internet business. So they've got uh, their business is a e-learning course about if you're American, how do you get uh, government procurement funding, mm-hmm. you know, better? Mm-hmm. And they, these guys are experts at it. But to be great internet marketers, you have to do really great videos because that's you know, on Facebook, yeah. on LinkedIn, whatever. You got to get people on top of your funnel, go through that whole email marketing thing, and then hopefully it'll close and the digital thing gets sent out. So they came and they get to learn a real tactical skill for their business. And they got, and the whole thing was legit a business training experience, yeah. you know? And that's the thing I, I'm excited about because we're in a vacation environment, but it's full on learning every single waking hour. Even mm-hmm. if we're going up to the Parthenon in Athens, just walking around, you know, uh, Mark might stop us and say, hey guys, take a look at uh, the silhouette, the way the sun's coming through those, those pillars. Um, why don't you take a picture like this, but set your aperture to that. So it's like, we're still in that tourist yeah. experience, yeah. but it's constant. So we're doing it again in May, this, this coming May, uh, last week of May, we're going to Crete. And uh, we've already started selling a bunch of seats. We're only taking 20 people. Uh, but maybe in your uh, in your description, I can give you a link to yeah, send people absolutely. if they're interested in checking <laughs> it out. Nice. And we made, the, the films that we made are really funny. If you go to my Facebook yesterday, you can see, uh, the, the mockumentary that we made, it's hilarious. It's funny because we all sat on the on night one in Greece at the table. And I said, okay, what's the story we're going to tell? We're going to make a movie tomorrow. What, what, what are we going to do? And we just we were drinking wine and we, we talked about it. And we made a mockumentary because one of the young ladies that was with us, she wanted to get into modeling. And I was like, let's make a, let's make a documentary, a mockumentary, a pretend documentary about you being a supermodel, right? <laughs> and it was the craziest thing because the process of – us making a documentary about a person, one of our one of our people on, on the trip. We're on the ferry going out to the islands, and I'm filming this girl. And there's all of the other people who are in our photo workshop are taking pictures of her. The people on the ferry boat thought she was a legit model, <laughs> and they started taking pictures of her. And then this woman came up to me, and she's like, "Would you mind in a Greek accent? Would you mind introducing me to your model?" No way. She was a European, a very well-respected European fashion blogger. Oh my god! And they've been connected ever since. So. That's just a really fun side story, but like, uh, my our crew that came with us got to experience the magic of that type of storytelling. And can we see it? Is this available? It, I just watch? released it yesterday. It's a, the documentary. Yep, oh. yeah, and it's on the Hemingway's yeah. Facebook. Uh, cool. Yeah, um, it's on the Greg Hemingway's Facebook too. But and it's on YouTube. If you go to the Hemingway's House YouTube, actually, you'll definitely find it there as well. Yeah. Uh, awesome. I'll send you links, Andy, if you if you want. But it, and it's fun. Cool. It's 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 fun. <laughs> Very good. And you've also done some stuff like like um, the Estonia trip, right? Where yeah. uh, what was that Code called? Kids. Code Kids, yeah, <clears throat> on CBC. I remember watching yeah. that was before I knew who you were, who Hemingway oh, right. was. I yeah, saw yeah. it on CBC, and it's just like this is really cool. Like this is this is kind of stuff that we can uh, that can help launch our province forward, so, solve some mm-hmm. of our problems, right? So yeah. there's some some social activism there. Yeah, well, we've well. always used our. Um, our national documentaries, and I say national because they're always on CBC, but uh, we also distribute them globally as well. But we use those films as opportunities for us to make uh, contribute to the change that we want to see. And it started with the Sistema project uh, well over 10 years ago, where I was uh, filming uh, for the New Brunswick Youth Orchestra in Moncton because they were playing with Matt Anderson. And uh, I met Ken McLeod from NBYO, and he said, 
you know what? There's this amazing program in Venezuela, and these kids are, every single day after school, they're getting free classical music training. And it's like, if you're not in Sistema, you're, you're, you're not cool. It's a cool thing to do. But these kids are turning into these brilliant musicians, but besides that, really incredible global citizens. That's the whole purpose. And he was like, we just would love for our orchestra to open itself up more because being in the NBIO, it's, it's a meritocracy. You have to be really good to get in. But you know what? The chances are, if you're brought up in a uh, low-income family, you're not going to violin lessons. There's a good chance. Right yeah. So there's mostly upper-income family kids in the orchestra. Ken had the vision of saying, this shouldn't be reserved just for the rich, the experience of playing classical music. So he looked all over the world like online, and he found the Sistema thing. And I said, well, uh, we should go get some film footage in Venezuela and see... What, what is up? What's going on? So we did that. And uh, we cobbled together a small budget. I took my team down and uh, with their team. And we got uh, we, we got to see the kids in action. And it was thousands of kids, thousands, something like half a million kids across Venezuela at that time. Sadly, in the last few years, with all the disruption down there, it's uh, I think it, it's uh, been dismantled. But um, we were able to bring a small bit of video footage back. Again, the power of storytelling. And show the community what is possible. Because Ken was trying to sh throw this idea around. He actually did a paper study and everything. He was trying to get like government and educators and funders interested in the, the Sistema idea. And everybody was like, oh, that's nice. But that only would work in Latin America. That wouldn't work here. Um, we brought this little bit of video together. And immediately uh, people started to say, I get it. If those kids can be impacted, why can't ours? It's competitive, right? So um, that started to happen, and we started to see that we were helping Ken's movement. Ken, Ken and, the, and the orchestra was starting the movement. They just need a little bit of fuel. So the film was the fuel. And it got to the point where CBC said, well, why don't you follow this for a year and a half to see how they do? And so we made a film called Sistema Revolution, where we followed it going from us in Venezuela to getting them getting their first $50,000 in New Brunswick and that turning into a multi-million dollar project. Uh, and now, I don't know what their budget's now, but it's like they're doing very well. And they've, in our province alone, they've got, uh, I think, just over a 1,000 or just under a 1,000 kids learning every single Amazing. day wow. after school. So our film played a huge yeah. role. Then I was like, let's do that again. And we did it for coding and right. programming. And uh, like, how do we make sure kids get a chance to learn the language of the future? So we, uh, David Alston, Renee Bedreau, myself, we uh, and Lachlan, we went over to Estonia, did the same thing, brought a small bit of footage back, and that started to roll. And what came out of that was Brilliant Labs. Yeah. And Brilliant Labs now is serving, I don't know, I don't know how many makerspaces they've created across Atlantic Canada, but they are serving so many thousands of kids and teachers now. And not saying that the film did it, but kind of did you know like if we didn't okay. do that film, humble brag, probably, humble, brag. Yeah, yeah. humble brag so it's uh anyway it's the power of storytelling not the power of our work it's the power of storytelling right um anyway that's uh and we've done that a number of times since like it's uh it's pretty cool awesome what do you uh, this is my one of my stock questions that i ask every time but what do you love about your business and what frustrates the hell out of you yeah yeah there's lots of frustrations <laughs> um i guess the love part of it is that i'm uh i i you know, I get to show up every day and work with people I really enjoy being around. You know, uh, I, I love my team. Um, I, I think I just I really love I love the medium, you know, like working in film and, you know, so all that is really good. I love working in St. John. 
love working out of here. Like, no kidding. It's it's uh, it's not just because I'm here that I'm saying that. I actually chose to be here and start my business here. Frustrations are also related to us being here. Like, it's really tough for us to scale our business in this market. There's only a few companies that really can afford the type of work that we do. Right. You know, and because that's that's a fact, when we work with smaller budget uh, projects, we still do a good job, but it's not necessarily stuff we're proud of because we can't put, you know, so yeah. that's frustrating for me. If we were in Toronto or New York or LA, like everybody else chose to do, um, it would be easier for us just to stay with the Patagonias and do a bunch of awesome purpose-filled work. But we can't do that here yet. But, you know, uh, we're, we're starting to see it. Uh, and and the work that we love doing in Hemingsos, it's we're getting more and more of that work, which is really great. But we're only so large here, right? So the customers that are in Toronto and New York and Los Angeles, uh, San Francisco, um, we've been doing work with clients in those markets, but it's just one-offs here and there because yeah. we're not there. We're not. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's very expensive. And you have to add that to the budget if you got to get all you guys out there. 100%. Yeah. 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 And um, it is frustrating having to fly all the time too. And yeah. like I'm in airplanes all the time. And yeah. And just this year, we uh, started to care uh, about the carbon that we're creating. And uh, uh, we started tracking for the last two years all of our flights, all of our miles in the car, all this. And we're, we're a big polluter. I didn't think we were. I didn't think Hemings House because we're a service-based company. We're not extracting resources out of the earth. I, I thought we were a low-income – or low-income. <laughs> yes, we are. No, a low-impact uh, company, but we're not. Um, and uh, because we're – Airplane travel is really bad for creating carbon in our atmosphere. So uh, last year, we invested with the Community Forest International out of Sackville to get them to track our full carbon output. And uh, they were able to uh, completely offset it by us giving them enough money for them to buy a significant amount of what we would now call old growth forests in New Brunswick. Not true old growth, because that doesn't really exist anymore, but we're talking trees have been around for hundreds of years. Um, and uh, CFI is buying up these woodlots, otherwise would be clear-cut. Right. And they're, they're, they're buying them up, not to protect them the way the um, uh, different conservation groups would, but they're protecting them through sustainable management. So they're not saying no forestry in this, these areas, but sustainable, selective cut. So these landowners who they're getting older, woodlots, uh, a lot of them are like, well, I'm getting older. My kids don't want to deal with this land and they will just uh, sell it to whatever company wants to buy it for the cheapest dollar or whatever. And then, and I'm not here to criticize that by any means, but how cool is it that our company can actually help preserve some of that area to be sustainably managed and in some cases not even cut at all. But uh so anyway, we're, we're doing that. We've been able to offset all of our uh, carbon production. Is, most your, is your carbon production basically flights? Is that Flights, uh, uh, vehicle travel, um, server space. Like we even go into the details right. of what type of, you know, uh, websites that we have to use like YouTube, Vimeo, you wow. know, Dropbox. All that is fans are running somewhere to, to keep those things cool, right? Wow. So, uh, um, and there's, as I've been learning and educating myself, there's three there's three different stages of, uh, uh, you know, of offsetting your carbon. And one of them is what can you do as your company, right? And that's what we're doing right now. We've offset what our company produces. But the second stage is how are you getting your local power? So I don't have any 
uh, say over what MB Power or Synchron Energy is giving. But thankfully, a lot of their power is actually renewable. So that's that's stage two. Uh, so that's how you, you kind of get get marked. And stage three is really tough, and we're not there at all. Is uh, buy your supply chain? How much of your supply chain is renewable and clean? Uh, because and you can do it. And Patagonia has been excellent at doing this. They're not perfectly uh, carbon neutral on that stage three, but you know they want to make sure that as far down their supply chain they possibly can get uh, is carbon neutral. And that that is very forward thinking, and and it's it's difficult. <laughs> but what a cool challenge, right? Yeah. What's on your mind, Andrew? Well, you know, I'm enjoying our conversation with Greg. I'm, uh, you know, I'm I'm listening to him about his impact on our community and and the and the, the benefit he brings to the, our community. And I'm just smiling the whole time because um, you know it, it's music to my ears. I've been a long time resident of the city. And to have other passionate business people who want to focus in on making us, you know, making our community and, and the folks we interact with um, um, better, more productive, uh, and help all those folks who need help, um, it's beautiful. Beautiful stuff. Awesome. Yeah. yeah it's, it, it, it's fun. It's fun to do something not just, we got to make more money. we got to make more money. That's fun. Trust me. I, I, when we, we get a sale, I, I feel really good. But it's... Helps you execute all at, your strategies. At right? this age, too, it's like... You know, in my 40s, it's uh, you want more than that than just growing a business because it's as an entrepreneur, you always want to do something interesting, a challenge. You always want yeah. challenges, and why not take on challenges that are interesting, like social issues and environmental? And, I mean, you, know, you have kids, right? I do. <laughs> I've got two and a third on the way. Yeah, by the time you put this thing out, I might have a third in my I, I, in my I hands. And, and I have kids, <laughs> and you know, and, and you're right. When you get to be a point in your life you start to think about your kids and their kids yeah. and what you're leaving behind and so it's awesome like this yeah. carbon neutral stuff fantastic stuff awesome yep yeah, yeah. no it's a lot of a lot of leadership that you bring and 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 because you have boiling point i mean you're a storyteller with hemmings but with boiling point yeah. too you're reaching a whole different market and uh, you know i've listened yeah. to a ton of your shows and oh, i'm so glad to listen man because we do okay. have listener we legit have a lot of listeners in the u.s uh, yeah. and l- like your podcast scattered around the world as well people mm-hmm. do listen in yeah because um, they legit they find you on itunes yeah, yeah. Um, we are a world famous accounting firm I know that. Yeah. Somebody wrote that in a sign and put it up front. So, so it, it must be so. I love it. I love it. I think it's like in the uh, in the intro to the podcast. I think we put that in there. Uh, brought, brought to you by the world. The famous world famous. Firm. That is well, perfect. I'll tell you the story behind that very quickly. Please. One time I was in. Um, this is about four years ago in Hanoi, Vietnam. Yep. And um, I was at an, an establishment one evening, and I left some business cards on the bar. Um, because I had met the the owner and we had chatted for a while, and the guy turned out to be from Mississauga. Anyway, long story short is I got home and I got thinking, well, you know, we're now famous in Vietnam, which is halfway around the world. So you're world famous. We're pretty much world famous. I love that. So every country I now travel to, I leave business cards somewhere, whether it's a restaurant or, um, you know, some other type of establishment. Well, to the point where at the the Outstanding Business Awards, right, uh, Teton sponsors an award and you get to do like the little uh, 30 second video intro. And uh, it's like it's Andrew Logan stone faced. And Andrew Logan is never stone faced, but he's stone faced in the video. This is Andrew Logan from the world famous accounting firm Teton Stone. <laughs> that's like, right. I got a kick out of that one. I remember that when that video played. I was like, yeah, that's <laughs> not located right here in St. John's. Yeah, Project, right? yeah, that's right. It's hysterical. No. Last time, last time I tried that though, like um, I remember our, our company started doing. Uh, our, our, our company got our start shooting music, li- live music. We did thousands of hours of live films. Um, ECMA is Harvest Jazz and Blues, like. 
you name the music festival for those five years, Hemingway's House was filming it. <clears throat> and uh, we had different companies hiring us to do that. And uh, this one time we were doing the ECMAs, I think in Charlottetown. And I started leaving my credit card. Oh, credit cards, yes. That too. <laughs> my business cards around. <laughs> I went into the bathroom. I saw a urinal filled with my business cards. <laughs> That's awesome. And I took a picture of it. I was like, that is priceless. Well, there you go. Yeah, there you go. I'm, I'm urinal famous. Somebody else did that. I think I might have been there. Did, did the Trailer Park Boys host that? They did. Uh, Were yeah. you at that one? I was there. Get out. Did I you was. pee on my business card? Uh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> probably. <laughs> well, small world. That's awesome. What, uh, so you seem like a guy who has a lot of fun, um, whether you're quote unquote working or not working, but, uh, but. Uh, what do you do for fun, sort of, both yeah. inside and outside your business? Well, um, so much of my outside of the business time is just hanging out with my family because mm. we actually like each other and stuff, which is cool. Uh, <laughs> <and> we, uh, <laughs> um, so we do a ton of family activities. And I've been a skier and a snowboarder all my life. So uh, thankfully, my kids have gotten into it. And so every Sunday, we're at Poli, for example. And I, uh, I've been snowboarding all my life, really. I started a skier, snowboard. But last two years, I got back into skis because Poli is a small mountain. Mm -hmm. And as a snowboarder who has snowboarded the, the deep powder of uh, the Rocky Mountains and, and have seen the other side, it's tough to... Humble brag. To, yeah. It's just it's tough to snowboard Poli and feel completely content. But if you go back <laughs> to skis, it's a, it's a brand new thing. So I'm really getting uh, really excited about uh, snowboarding. I took a year off from surfing because we've been building a house. <clears throat> I've been surfing in the Bay of Funday quite a bit, trying to surf, I should say. I'm... Uh, definitely not going to humble brag on that one because I there's a lot of young, awesome guys out there who are uh, girls who are surfing the Bay of Fundy waves, and they're so good. Wow. But that's fun for me. Yeah. And uh, we haven't played a show in a year and a half, but we're in a band. I say we. Uh, Steve from my company uh, and uh, Jake Swan and uh, Ray Seward. We've got a band called Fox Farm. And once all of us became dads... It stopped. Uh, like, we're still a band. But, uh, and, uh, but we recorded an album, never released it. You know, that type of thing. But, you know, I play drums and, you know, there's all those little things yeah. that uh, we're involved with outside of work. Cool. <laughs> well, we, uh, one of the first guests we had on the podcast was a guy named Wes Ward, who uh, is the owner of Greystone Brewery. <clears throat> up in, uh, Love that brewery. Speaking of Patagonia. Yeah, speaking of Patagonia, Patagonia, Patagonia right. Pale Ale. That's, that's right. right. And, like, we asked him sort of, you know, how did you... Um, you know, how did you get started in the business or whatever? And literally his story, it was like a 30 minute answer. He took us to like the beaches of Thailand and then no we were in Sweden and all these people he'd met and his girlfriends and, and all this stuff. And so we literally called him the most interesting man in the world. But I think you're, you're pretty close. Well, you got a lot of stuff I think going he on. and I need to go up and have a beer together. We'll, yeah, uh, we'll you trade should, some stories. You definitely should. You guys would, would hit it off for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else did you want to, uh, 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 leave with our audience before we hmm. uh, before we wrap up. Well, um, let me see here. The, the, the whole B Corp thing is really cool. Like mm. for your entrepreneurs who are listening, um, of course, we get to speak at your conference, uh, Owen and I uh, from Adams Green. Um, and if you don't know what B Corp is, uh, just check it out. We talked a little bit at the earlier this earlier part of this podcast about the triple bottom line. B Corp certification is a a great way for your company to. Uh, not get caught in the uh, temptation of greenwashing and, and saying you're good for the world and good for the planet, but you actually aren't. If you're a certified B Corp, you are what you say you are. And uh, it's an amazing movement that's happening all around the world. And today, more than ever, people care. Your customers care. If you're, if you're good to your employees, they, they care. If you're good to the environment, 
They care if you're giving back. And so many good companies are out there doing that already, but it's not documented. They have troubles like we do, humble bragging, right? But if you get a B Corp certification, you don't, that stress is gone. You don't have to go tell people what you're doing. They know. Mm-hmm. You just have to click on that link, go to bcorporation.net, and you figure it out. Oh, my gosh, that company clearly does all these things because it's such an, uh, a rigorous audit, you know? So um, we didn't talk about B Corp, but I, I think we just leave it at that. Yeah. If people checked it out. and yeah, we'll put a link yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah put, a, put a link in. And um, if anybody out there in the world needs uh, some film storytelling, please do give us a call. Yeah, where do they find you? Hemmingshost.com. And on there is all the... Uh, all the details, and then you can find me on social all over the place. You know, LinkedIn and Facebook. I'm not a huge Twitter guy, but I'm there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got called out recently for not responding to a tweet or a DM or something that happened months ago, and I'm like, I just, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you have a life that uh, <laughs> you need to lead. That's right. Uh, what, uh, boiling point process. Where, uh, oh yeah. Anything else going on there? Yeah, we're going to – I think Fredericton is going to be our next event. Nice. So our, our podcast, the Bowling Point Podcast.com, uh, Dave and I have been doing it for five, six years, and we've got hundreds of episodes. Uh, we want to do something a little different and start doing live episodes, but in a workshop environment. So we have a full-day off-site workshop where people come, and we're, we're doing this with a microphone, uh, but we bring experts. Uh, instead of getting an expert to come out and teach you at a workshop – we're interviewing them in a podcast format, yeah. and the audience gets to ask questions. And uh, so we've done one in St. John and Moncton. We're going to do one in Fredericton in the New Year sometime. Nice, awesome. Yeah. I'll, hopefully the dates work. I will definitely be there. That would be awesome. Yeah, I'd love to take part in that. Uh, Andrew, we didn't cover our beer selection today, Ooh. so would you mind? Uh, I've been patiently waiting. I for know you, you have, and I, I do have something to say about this picture okay, on this good. label too. Go for it. Well, today's selection is. Um, is from Picaroons, one of my favorite um, establishments and breweries in uh, in New Brunswick. Um, conveniently located uh, thirty feet from our front door, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, a brilliant coup when they when they went into that building. Uh, today's selection is summer wheat ale, which is kind of ironic because this morning, uh, as we all drove to town in the uh, in the snowstorm, um, this beer, light and crisp and refreshing, takes me back. I mean, harkens me back to those warm July and August days this summer <laughs> as I sat on my deck in sweltering heat and and, and savored the crisp flavor of this beer. Isn't that awesome? That, you know, there's a storyteller right there. Yeah, right there. Yeah, yeah, he's a brander. Right I thought to myself, this is nice, especially since we're drinking at 11 a.m. in the morning. Um, 8 a.m. Shh. Don't tell my wife. Uh, this 11, 11 o'clock and 8 o'clock beer, uh, it was perfect for It's a nice morning beer. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, out of the Pecaroons collection, which I'm a big fan too, this is the only morning beer that they have, in my opinion, because like they ha- they make amazing, thick, full-bodied body oh, beer. Like a Simeon Jones, oh, uh, one of my beauty. personal favorites. And, but the Duryard is, is is a lovely morning beer, uh, Sean Dunbar. Thank you for that. Yeah, I love that. That's and the, the, the label is very cool. You might want to put a picture of this for your podcast. It's uh, two guys on a raft coming down the St. John River, or the, the muddy Wallastook, and they're playing banjos. And um, I've got an old photograph, uh, a real photograph, of that, and I believe it was the Restigouche. Oh, no, actually, it was the St. John River. This is like way back. It was two guys back in the old log driving days, and they're on a raft. They're Like, it's this very picture. This is a drawing on this okay. beer. I have this very picture no way. in a frame at my house, which is really cool. And I, I'm just recognizing that now. Yeah, because uh, they used to do that. They used to float down the river. And they do that in Restigouche. They go down in their canoes, and they play, play, the they play uh, music now. It's, it happens every year. Yeah. That's awesome. Anyway. Uh. 
<laughs> well, good stuff. All right, I'm just wishing it was summer again. But anyway, it isn't. Yeah, well, it's ski it'll, season. It'll, it'll it'll summer again. Do this. Six short yeah, months. In three weeks, it's tax season. Oh, oh shoot. Geez, <laughs> geez. Talk about closing on a, on a low note. My gosh. Let's have a drink. <laughs> Let's go. drink. Well, look, thanks so much, Greg, for coming in. It's been a lot of fun thanks, chatting guys. with you. And uh, thank you, Andrew, for Anytime. being in, uh, here and joining the conversation. And everybody who's listening, hopefully you enjoyed the show. Hopefully you get a lot of value out of it. Be sure to go to uh, Apple Podcasts and uh, subscribe to the show. Rate the show. Tell us what you think. Uh, and reach out to us at any time if you have any suggestions on how we can do it better. So until next time, for Andrew Logan and for Greg Hemmings, this is Andy Clarkson. Thanks for checking out this episode of Pleasure Doing Business, brought to you by Teed Saunders Doyle, chartered professional accountants and advisors, where you'll always find world-class expertise with a personal touch. Join us next time for more interviews and insights on building and running your business and having a ton of fun along the way.